feels so good. Hallelujah. You ready to get in the Word this morning? If you have your Bibles, turn to two places. Psalms 84. Psalms 84 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thank you, Father. And I'm going to continue on this series started a few weeks back about your position. Because I believe your position, your position in life has everything to do with your success in life. Let me say that. Your position has everything to do with your success in life. And this position that I first started talking about is this position in the secret place. Your position in the secret place. We still have our, our trusty secret place up here. Now, a secret place, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a physical chair. I put this up here just so you understand that, that everyone has a right to this place. It doesn't matter how, how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter. It's, it's understanding that you and I have been given a place in God. And it was so much so that people throughout the Old Testament, you know, understood something about this place. In Psalms 91, it says, he, he said, Moses says, he who dwells in the secret place. Of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who lives in the secret place shall sit down and remain in a place uh, in the presence of him whom nothing is impossible. See, this secret place is, has to, you have to understand, it has to be the foundation of what your life is built upon. This past Thursday night in our, in our next level men's meeting, which we do the first Thursdays of every month, and put in a little plug as well. Annette has her girlfriends this Monday night. So for all the ladies, uh, I want to encourage you to be out there for Love Revolution on Monday night. But as I was talking to them, I was just talking to them about this foundation. And, and it was just continually in my heart throughout this week. And I want to continue ministering on this morning. But foundation is so important. I, I was looking at the importance of foundation. And I was looking at different buildings and how the success of buildings or structures or any area in life is going to be depend upon its foundation. The success of your marriage, your family, your business, your walk with God is going to come down to what is your foundation built on? Now, we know as believers, our foundation is on the Word of God. And who is the Word of God? The Word of God is Jesus. That's the foundation. But how do we grow in this? How do we establish and strengthen that foundation? It's the secret place. When you, when you look at a building, and I, and I used this example the other night, other night with the men, how I was looking at the, bu- the building, the tower in, in Dubai, and the Burg, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but the Burg, Burg Khalifa is the name of the building. And this building is over 2,700 feet tall. It's over a half a mile tall. It's 1,000 feet taller than any building in the United States. You know, the One World Tower is our biggest tower, and it, it, it's, it's only 1,700 feet, a little over 1,700 feet, only 1,700 feet. But the, this building, the Khalifa, is 2,717 feet tall. And, and what kind of foundation do you have to have to build something like that? A good one. <laughs> good answer, Jared. Now, now, this foundation in, this, in the, the tallest building of the world, it has 192, they call them piles, is what they call them. And it, they're five feet wide and 164 feet deep. And there's 192 of them. It's, they sit on top a 12-foot raft foundation, 12 feet of concrete, on top of the 164 feet deep piles. 
That equals to 100,000 adult elephants of concrete. Which comes out to 1.5 trillion pounds of concrete. To keep up the tallest building in the world. Wow. Your foundation is vital. Like I said, our foundation is built on Jesus Christ. It's built on the word of God. But how do we strengthen that? How do we grow in that relationship? It has everything to do with the secret place. And I've used different examples throughout the Old Testament. And this morning I want to use Psalms 84. And this is written by a man named Asaph. And he, he's writing here in verse 1. It says, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. Or how lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. He says, my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Meaning, how lovely are they? My heart cries out for these courts. My heart cries out for this secret place. My heart desires this. I know that I need something and what I need can only be found in this secret place. He goes on in verse 10 says, for a day in your courts... For just one day in your court, for one day in your secret place is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Meaning, just one day. If I could just be in the secret place one day, it would be better than a thousand days anywhere else. Could you say that about your life? I mean, is that, is, that, is that the mantra, so to speak, that you tell everyone you work with? You know, I'd rather be in church for one day than a thousand days anywhere else. <laughs> Think about it. How, how much is our desire to be... And I'm not, it's, not, it's not the religious aspect of coming to a building. Understand what I'm saying. It's about how vital is your relationship with God. Because he's saying, I'd rather be there than anywhere else in the world. There's nothing else that I want but to be in the presence of God. Amen. The secret place. He says, for the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in thee. Now, I wasn't going to go here, but I think I need to. Go to Psalms 87, just a couple pages over. Now, that is this man's and this, this minister's aspect in his heart for God. Now, let's look at this. His foundation. It's talking about God here. His foundation is the holy mountain. So we're talking about our foundation is the presence of God. Now, now, God is saying his foundation is the holy mountain. And a few weeks ago, we talked about this holy mountain. And throughout the Old Testament, it talks about the holy mountain as being a place of his presence. So he says, his foundation is the holy mountain. Now this, the Lord loves the gates of Zion. Now we just talked about what man liked. But now look, look at God likes. God says, I love the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. What does that mean? He's, he's saying now it, it's beyond just a Jewish people. Zion represents, in the Amplified it says this, it says, through which the crowds of pilgrims enter from all nations. Meaning all nations. You know what God loves? He loves all nations. See, the psalmist was coming from the standpoint, I'd rather be in your house than any other place. And here, it turns around, God says, my foundation is my presence. And he says, you know what? I'd rather dwell in the gates of all nations than anywhere else. 
So you got to understand that this whole thing with God and man is a love relationship. Every, God did not create man for man to be some sort of pawn that he could dictate. He created man so he could have a relationship with. Amen. That's why it's up to us to yield to that. The secret place. And over the last couple of weeks, we talked about what is this secret place? And we talked about it's a place of prayer. Even the very Greek word for prayer, it starts off with P-R-O-S, and that means to draw near. It means to come by the side of. It means to approach. So just barely aspect, the aspect of prayer isn't talking to God, but it's first of all drawing near to him. It's drawing near and making requests. It's drawing near and expressing desire. It's coming near and worshiping. That's what prayer is. It's not about you rattling up a bunch of words to God. But it's about you and him having intimate conversation. Like what I learned from Miss Carolyn in Bible school is about joint interests. She taught us this too, is the act of sharing in one's heart. You know, it's, it's that relationship. That's what prayer is about. It's about you talking to him and him talking to you. And I don't have time to review this morning, but you look throughout the Old Testament when they prayed, you could tell that they were having conversations with God. And that's what prayer is all about. It's, about. it's about inviting him in to the middle of your situation. Inviting him in to get involved with where you are. It's not begging, it's not yelling at, it's not screaming at, but it's saying, God, I come near and express my heart to you so he can express his heart to you. So continuing talking about this, this foundation of, of prayer. It's so vital. I, I, I didn't pray for the longest time because I didn't know how. I didn't pray for the longest time because I thought it was boring. I didn't pray for the longest time because I thought, what if, what if I say or what if I pray for the wrong thing? Or what if it doesn't work? Instead of realizing it's, it's not about how good my prayer is, it's, it's about my relationship with God. Great pa- prayers aren't birthed out of out of religious people. Great prayers are birthed out of a relationship with God. And this, this, this Bible goes through, and this, this is all about a lifestyle. Prayer is a lifestyle. It's not an event. It's, it's, not, a, it's not just a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's something that we do all the time. Jesus said it like this in Luke 18. He says, men ought always, always to pray and not faint. Always to pray. Philippians 4 talks about in everything, in every circumstance, pray with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6 says, praying always with all prayer in the spirit. 1 Timothy says that men everywhere ought to pray for all positions. Leaders and those in authority. Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. This whole aspect of prayer. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians now, 5. You can go back and listen to the other messages on our website. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 14. It says, Now we exhort you, brethren, 
Warn warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient to all men. See that none render evil for evil unto all men, but even follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Now, if you look at this with a religious mindset, does that mean, okay, 24-7, I'm like this? Pray without ceasing. No, this word pray without ceasing, this is about an attitude of the heart. It's about the position of the heart. And, And people don't understand that this is written in context. It's not just pray without ceasing is all by itself. Here he's giving us a list of things and he's talking about how we need to be living while we're waiting for Christ's return. If you read the end of uh, chapter 4 and you go into chapter 5, he's talking about how we should be living while we're waiting for Jesus. And he, and he tells them here, exhort the brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men, see, none, see that none e- render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and among all men. Meaning people in the church and people out of the church. This is how we should be living. And he goes on and says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ concerning you. This is the will of God in Christ concerning... What's God's will? That you would rejoice evermore? And that you would pray without ceasing? That you would render evil for evil, right? That you would support the weak? That you would help the feeble-minded? So this is the things that we need to be doing while we're waiting for Jesus. And one of those things is to rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. Like I said, it's not having a 24-7, non-stop, without taking a break conversation with God. But it's having a heart that is towards Him. It's always having a heart that's leaned towards Him. Okay, God, how do I deal with this? They just said that. So, okay, how do you want me to respond? It's having that constantly ear, I'm ready to hear. Having an ear ready to hear. That's what being, being constant in prayer or prayer without ceasing. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you. A lot of people say, well, I don't know what will, God's will is for, for my life. This is one of them. This is one of them. Rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. In everything. It didn't say for everything. It said in everything. See, religion would like you to say, well, just thank God for this cancer. Well, just thank God for this. Well, just thank God for, for that because God's trying to teach you something. No, it says in everything. In everything. Not for everything. Then he says, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good and abstain from all appearances of evil. And... And the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So listen, and so he starts this with and he says, and the very God of peace. So as I'm living this way, he says, the God of peace will sanctify you wholly. The NIV NIV says, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless or perfect at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You want to experience peace in every area of your life? That's what he's saying. It's not just your spirit, but he's your spirit, your soul, and your body. And as part of this, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophesying. Abstain from the appearances of evil. 
Render, don't render evil for evil. All these things, when you do these things, what's going to happen is, is you're going to experience peace like you never have. And you're going to experience a wholeness in your life that you've never known. Spirit, soul, and body until the coming of the Lord. And then it says, faithful is he that calleth you shall also do it. This praying without ceasing is an attitude towards God. But realize that it's an attitude, attitude towards God that perfects every area of my life. That's what prayer, praying without ceasing is all about. is turning towards him and allow him to bring perfection to the imperfect areas of my life. That's what prayer is about. It's about allowing him to speak into your chaos. Allow him to speak into your mistakes. Allow him to speak into your emotional emotions that hurt. Allow him to speak into you. So what? So he can perfect those areas. Too often people are waiting become become perfect before I start being a good prayer. No, become a good prayer by just loving on Jesus. It's an outflow of that. Don't have pride in your prayer. Don't be prideful in your praying. Don't be like the hypocrites, is what Jesus said. But he said, he said but go to your closet. It's an intimate relationship between you and him. That's what prayer is all about. You have to understand that prayer is your right and it's your privilege and it's your ability to work hand in hand with God in the earth. Let me say it again. Your prayer is your right, it's your privilege, and it's your ability to work hand in hand with God in the earth. Amen. See, prayer isn't about some sort of religious duty or religious obligation. Because if it's just a religious obligation, then prayers will never work. Because religious obligations are, aren't, well, you'll never release faith with just a religious duty. Prayer is effective, birthed out of that relationship that you have with God. And throughout the, throughout the word of God, we see so many examples of prayer. Hebrews chapter 6 says, follow those who through faith and patience inherited the promises. Abraham, and he prayed when it came to the healing of Abimelech. He prayed when it came to getting direction. He prayed when it came to to setting his nephew Lot free from, from Sodom and Gomorrah. He prayed. Hannah prayed when she needed a was desiring a child. Samuel prayed when he, when he released his, when his, his faith over the children of Israel. Moses prayed when he's standing at the Red Sea. Moses prayed when, when all the people around were getting bit by snakes. He was praying and God gave him direction. He was praying at the, at the, at the foot, at the entrance of the temple to get direction on how, where should they go from here. Elisha prayed over a widow woman and her son. Elijah prayed in certain incidents for it not to rain for three and a half years. Prayer was their right and their privilege to work hand in hand with God in the earth. So how's our prayer life? And that's not to condemn you. It's it's me as a pastor wanting to pull you into a deeper relationship with God. It's not about earning anything more with God. We already received everything with Jesus. Like I said, but our foundation is strengthened and established through the secret place. Through this ongoing, this ongoing relationship with heaven. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John.
You know, thinking about this prayer and this example as a prayer, I, I think of David. And in, I believe it's in Psalms 55. He said, early, he said, evening and morning and at noon, he said, I will lift my voice and I will cry unto you and he will hear my voice. Amen. Evening and morning and at noon, he will hear my voice. I mean, it doesn't matter what time of the day David says, I, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. And, and it's not what some other religions have done. Well, just, okay, we'll just bow and face your, face your, your mat towards Mecca and, and you're, you're, you're going to get a greater blessing because you're fulfilling one of the laws of being of Islam. It's not about looking towards a place. It's not, about, it's not about kneeling in just the right posture. Jesus didn't come over and kick over the tables and say, hey, you're not kneeling right. You're not folding your hands right. No, he said, you've lost your awareness of God. This should be a house of prayer, but you made it something else. So no longer is, is your focus on God at this point. And so David's evening and at morning and noon will I pray and lift my voice to you. He said, early will I seek you. That just let me know that, that these men in the Old Testament, these ones that have gone before us, they still had this same pray always. This pray without ceasing. Now let's look at this in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read the Amplified. It says, We're writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning. So let me ask a question. Who is in him? Jesus. We are writing about the word of life. Who's the word of life? Right. So this is what John's writing about. He's writing about Jesus. So about Jesus in him who existed from the beginning... Whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own ears, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. He's saying this Jesus, we heard him, we saw him, we gazed upon him, we touched him. And the life, an aspect of his being was revealed and made manifest, demonstrated, and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you the life the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father and who actually was made visible to us, his followers. So here John is writing, not hearsay. He's not writing about what he's heard someone else say. He's writing what he heard, what he saw, what he touched. Verse 3, what we have seen and ourselves heard, we're also telling you. Meaning what I experienced personally, guys, what I came to know by on one-on-one experience, I want you to know. I'm telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship. I want you to know what I know. I want to, I want to tell you what I experienced pers- personally, Rick. I touched him. I heard him. I saw him. I watched him pray. I watched him be transfigured on the mountain. And I saw and I heard God speak. I saw an image of Moses and I I saw Elijah. And we saw them on this Mount Transfiguration. I want you to know what I know. I want you to experience what I experience. I I want you to realize that this this is something that you need to get a hold of. That this fellowship, the same fellowship that we had with him and we were with him, you can have too, Joseph. This same fellowship, this same relationship, this same communion. 
that you can realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. Now listen to this. And this fellowship that we have, I like what the Amplified says, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian. This fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of a Christian, is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So the fellowship he's talking about, he tells us it's with the Father and it's with the Son. I'm telling you, you have a right, you have a privilege, and you have the ability to work hand in hand with God to see things change in the earth. This is all about the secret place. This is all about a place of prayer. Verse 5, and this, uh, verse 4, and we are now writing these things to you so that our joy may be full and your joy may be complete. And this is the message which we've heard from the beginning and now reporting to you that God is light and there's no darkness in him at all. Hallelujah. So if we say we're partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, Hallelujah. I love that. So if we say we're partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking, or we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth. But he's saying, we did this. We did. I've got to tell you about this. I've got to tell you about the way we walked with him. I've got to tell you about the way that we fellowship with him. Jesus is our example in prayer. That's what John is, is telling us. He's saying, Jesus is this example. We see everyone in the Old Testament, but how about this example with Jesus? Jesus said, we saw him, we handled him, we touched him with our own hands. And we want you to enjoy this same fellowship with him. Man, looking at the life of Jesus, he prayed in so many places and, and in so many areas. He, pr- he prayed in the wilderness. He prayed in, in, front, in front of the hypocrites. He prayed on a mountainside. He prayed, prayed at the side of the Sea of Galilee. He prayed in a garden. He prayed in different aspects. Prayer was his nonstop communion with the Father. Jesus prayed without ceasing. But yet we see him interacting and we see him walking in different avenues and, 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 and dealing with different things, right? Right? Throughout his life. But it was this praying without ceasing. It was this constant communication with the Father. This constant direction with the Father. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 1 verse 35 says. In the morning rising up a great way before morning. He went out and departed in a solitary place. And there he prayed. Luke 5 verse 16 says. He withdrew himself into the wilderness to pray. I believe Jesus was, was, even at a young age, when he was 12 years of age, we see him in the temple, and his parents come to look for him, and they come, said, where, why are you here? What are you doing? He says, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house and about my father's business? Everything was about this relationship. It was, it was all about his right, his privilege, and his ability to work hand in hand with God in the earth. See, this prayer life, his, his life was founded upon this. His foundation was, Jesus' foundation was established and strengthened by his communion with the Father, his relationship with the Father. How much should ours be? How much should our, ours be? You know, I don't want to depend on Jesus' relationship with the Father. I need to depend on my relationship with the Father. I'm grateful for his relationship with the Father. And Jesus, even today, is still praying. 
It says he he's daily makes intercession for us. He's still praying today. He's still communing with the Father today. Nothing's changed. He realized it was that connection with the Father. It was his communion with the Father. It was that act of sharing one's heart with each other that caused Jesus' life to be strengthened. He stepped into who he was not because he was the Son of God. He stepped into who he was because of his relationship with the Father. He was made a man just like you and me. He was tested and tempted in all points, yet without sin. So he had to have the same things that you and I did. And he's giving us these examples. John's telling us, look at him because we touched him. We saw him. We watched him. And we, I want you to enjoy this same fellowship now with the Father and with the Son. Man, this relationship is what we build our lives on. It's our foundation to build our marriages. It's the foundation to build successful life. It's the foundation to build a successful family. It's the foundation of everything. You don't need more money to develop a successful life. You need to start with the right foundation. So you say, well, if I just had a break. No, if you just, let's just strengthen our foundation. The foundation is the word in Jesus. How do we strengthen it? The secret place. What's the secret place? It's a life of communion with the Father. This is vital. This is vital. I believe that through Jesus' prayer life, he was prepared for every circumstance he would face. He was prepared. What is prepared? He was adequately supplied and fully equipped. Your prayer life Your communion with the Father will prepare you for any attack that you're going through right now or any attack you're going through the future. I've been through attacks, and I'm so grateful there was times that I spent building myself up in the Word because when those those attacks happened, I was able to walk through it. But if I hadn't built up and hadn't been prepared, how would it have turned out? God's still there. God's still faithful. But, but, but through my communion with him, I was prepared. I was adequately supplied. I was fully equipped for what I was about to face. Go to John chapter 11. Jesus prayed to such a degree. And it was so effective in his life that those that were following him came to him and said, Master, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And so we, we turned that into some rote prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But Jesus was giving them an example. How, 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 what is prayer all about? It's all about our Father. Prayer is always about our Father. It's not do you remember the rest of the words. It's about our Father. Jesus, he, he, he lived this life, this communion with the Father, so much so that those that followed him wanted it. He said, man, we want to know him like you know him. Amen. When we see Jesus in praying so many aspects, he, we see him getting up early, and he said he prayed all night. Why? Because he was needing direction. He's about to choose 12 men that would change the world. But yet, can we pray, about, can we pray five minutes for one of the biggest decisions we'll ever make in our life? Think about it. We have a, too often we have a, a world mentality of whatever will be, will be. Que sera, sera, whatever will be. 
Don't you hear me sing? And, 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 we, and, and, and it's really, we, we allow the world to do that. Well, if it, it, it's, it's going to work. I had that mindset one time in my life, and it held me back three years. All because I didn't pray about a situation. It had to do with a relationship. And I had everyone telling me, and this was in 1990, uh, 1997. Everyone, even friends of mine, said, don't be in that relationship. This, is not, this, is not, this isn't good for you. I had people telling me. I had even my own thoughts, talking to different people about it and still not sure about it in my own life. But yet, but yet I didn't want to pray about it because I didn't want to hear what God had to say. Oh, because I wanted this. I wanted this. And my mindset was like, oh, it'll be okay. It'll all work out. Yeah, three years later and $50,000 later, yeah. <laughs> but yet I had people telling me, parents telling me. I mean, uh, prophetic words telling me. I, I think the only thing I didn't get was an angel show up at my, my, the bed, foot of my bed and say, do not do this, Justin. <laughs> See, seriously, some of the biggest decisions we make in our life and we just say, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm not saying that God, God can't turn around. He turned it around. He's faithful. This was, this was before I moved to Texas. And, and, and I believe I probably should, was, should have been in Texas a few years earlier than I was. But God had to wait until I was, all that other stuff was restored and taken care of. And then he put me back where he originally wanted me to be. So I didn't have to pay for it the rest of my life. But the thing is, it came back to, I didn't want to pray about it. Because I wanted what I wanted. And too often, like I said, those, those same mentalities creep into, creep into the church. They just creep into the church. Well, you know, it's okay. God's good. He's a good God. Yes, he's a good God. But he cannot operate outside of his word. Well, I thought God is sovereign. Yeah, he's just not sovereign over your choice. He'll never, he'll never choose himself for you. He'll never choose himself. He'll never choose your path for you. He wishes all men to be saved. There's not no such thing as, as predestination. We're all predestined to be saved. He puts before us death and life. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. You keep reading it. It says, so this is all written so you might cleave to him. See, it goes back to that relationship with him. Your success in life is going to depend on your position. And your position is in the secret place. And it's the foundation for the rest of your life. Jesus had disciples saying, teach us to pray. Man, we see your relationship with the Father. We see things. No one, even the Pharisees, no one speaks like this man spoke. Why? Because he was speaking on behalf of God. You're like, well, oh, it was, he was the son of God. You got to realize he put all that down and became a man. Took himself on the form of a servant. Jesus prayed in every season, in every circumstance. He prayed when it came to multiplying the fish and the loaves. He prayed when it, came when, he, when it came to emotional hurt when John the Baptist had died. 
said after he heard that he died, it said he went to a solitary place. Didn't say necessarily how long he was there necessarily, but it said he came out and he started healing people. Why? He was emotionally hurt that his cousin had now died and was beheaded, and he, comes, he goes to a solitary place. What? To get fully equipped, to get strengthened, to get established, to go out and fulfill his purpose. He's our example. He's our example. Jesus pr- prayed when it came to sending the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll pray for you, and my Father will send the Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed when it came to the disciples and all of us that would believe on their word. He prayed for us before he died and said that they would be one like we're one. Even his prayer was all about, I want Joseph to be one with God like I'm one with God. I want Vic to be one with God like I'm one with God. I want Patty to be one with God like I'm one with God. Jesus' prayer was for us to have this foundation be established and strengthened in our lives. But yet, we treat prayer as, well, that's for someone else. That's for the more experienced people in the church. That's for the pastor. Everyone. I wish all men to pray and not faint, not lose heart. In John 11, we see here in verse uh, 40, it says, Jesus said unto them, said not I to thee that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Didn't I say to you, if, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know you hear me always. Jesus is talking, his prayer, you always hear me. That means this wasn't the only time he prayed about it. I believe that's why he stayed three days, three days longer. When he heard that Lazarus was dead. I believe he stayed there there three days longer to get fully equipped. To get direction. Having conversations with God. Because he knew he had a right. He had a privilege. And he had the ability to work together with God. So here he gets and stands in front of the tomb. And he says, I pray this. I pray this. That you hear me. And you always hear me. But I'm saying this. Not for my benefit. And your benefit, but I'm saying for all them to hear me. Because Jesus wanted to be that example. Like John said, man, we saw him. And Justin, we, we touched him. We handled him. We heard him. Man, we saw this ourselves. And we want you to enjoy the same fellowship that we had with him. Amen. Jesus is this example of this pray without ceasing. Go to Hebrews chapter 5. Oh my God. Thank you, Father. Hebrews chapter 5. Thank you, Father. Now, we talked about Hebrews chapter 4 a little bit last week. We talked about that, that Jesus is a great high priest, right? And that we come boldly to the throne of grace and receive the grace and mercy and the help in a time of need, right? Well, chapter 5, he goes in and says, verse 1 says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices. So here, this, the, 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 the priests in the Old Testament, they stood between God and they did two things. They offered sacrifices and they offered gifts. Verse 2 says, he's able to exercise gentleness and forbearance 
toward the ignorant and the erring, erring, since he himself is also liable to moral weakness and physical infirmity. He's talking about Jesus here in the high priest. And because of this, he's obliged to offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. He's dealing with the high priest. He, he offers sins for himself and for all the people. Verse 4, besides, one does not appropriate for himself the honor of being high priest, but he's called by God and receives it of him just as Aaron did. Verse 5, so to Christ. So he's talking about the earthly high priest. Now he's talking about Christ. So to Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed and exalted by him who said to him, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. And he says also in another place, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 7, this is what I want to get to. In the days of his flesh, talking of Jesus, he offered up definite special petitions. Those are prayers, right? For that which he not only wanted, but needed. So now he's talking about the high priest. Now he's talking about Jesus, how Jesus in his flesh, right? He offered up prayers and petitions for not only what he wanted but needed and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who has always able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety, in it that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of the Father. What is this talking about? It's letting us know Jesus is our example. It says in the flesh. He prayed for not only the things that he needed, but the things he wanted. And he made these prayers, and it was all about, it wasn't just asking God for something, but it had, it had everything to do with God's presence. Yeah. It had everything to do with fearing God and putting God as a priority in his life. Yeah. Jesus is our example. He is our example. We see, in Acts, we see in John chapter 12, it says, The Father gave me commandment. What I should say and what I should speak. Remember, prayer is about conversations with God, right? It's talking to God. Talking with him. And him talking to you. In John 12, it says that he gave me commandment on what I should say and what I should speak. In John chapter 5, verse 19, it says, The son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. For what so things does the son so in Jesus is this example of this communion with God, right? He commanded me. And those things he commanded, those are the things I speak. What I see the Father doing, those are the things that I do. John chapter 5 verse 30 says, I can of my own self do nothing as I hear, I judge. Why? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him that sent me. See, Jesus, when he was praying and seeking God, it wasn't about finding out what he wanted to do. It was finding out what God wants to do. Prayer is beyond just a place of asking. It's a place of seeing and a place of hearing. Let me say it again. Prayer is beyond just a place of asking. It's a place of seeing and it's a place of hearing. Remember, Jesus is our example, right? And so his pray without ceasing had everything to do with what he would see and what he would hear. Your foundation is the most important thing in your life. And Jesus is that foundation. But how is it strengthened? 
It's strengthened through this life of prayer, this life of communion, your foundation. Jesus communed with the Father, and he saw. He communed with the Father, and he heard. God wants to speak to you. That's what John is saying. He's, in 1 John, he's saying, I want you to enjoy this fellowship. It's not, oh, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Yes, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Woo, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Now, if you do that, praise God. But, and, and, it's, and it's genuine and it's real. Hey, praise the Lord. But, but that's not what it's all about. It's about the relationship with him. Fellowship. It's not saying, oh, we sure felt his presence today. But what did you see and what did you hear? Man, I fell out under the power. Well, praise the Lord. But what did you hear and what did you see? The Father's always. Jesus even said in John 17, verse 26, he said, I came to make your very nature known, your very character known. In Colossians, we know that the, that the visible is the perfect picture of the invisible. So Jesus, I just came to reveal the Father. That's what the Holy Spirit is to do in our prayer time is to reveal the Father, what the Father Father would do, what Jesus would do, what 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 the Father would say, what Jesus would say. It's beyond just a little bracelet that says WWJD. It's, It's communion with the Father. Go to Matthew chapter 7, and I'll start to close with this. Are you with me this morning? If you're visiting, we are a word church. We open the Bible. <laughs> You'd be surprised some churches don't do that. And I'm not saying if they're, if they're, if they're doing that, that's up to, that they need to do what God's telling them to do. I'm not condemning them by any imagination. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Talking about that foundation a little bit more. Verse 24 says, Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine. Let me stop there for a moment. Jesus just spent three full chapters in saying a whole bunch of stuff. And he gets here and he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine. I mean, he talks about all kinds of stuff, but just to point out some of the things he talked about. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall see God. He talks about changing your mind, changing your attitude about things. He talks about love, the difference between God's way of loving and the world's way of loving. He goes into Matthew chapter 6, and he talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Amen. And in the beginning part of Matthew 7, he talks about ask, and you'll receive. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be open. So throughout this place between, between praying, seeking, knocking, asking, these different things, Jesus gets to this point. Therefore, whoever hear the, hears these sayings of mine and does them. I will liken unto him a wise man who built his house upon a rock. I want you to realize that, like I said, that prayer is that communication with God. What is God telling you? Because when we do what he's telling us to do, it says our house will be built upon a rock. Right? It's it's talking about foundation. What are you building your foundation on? Are you building your foundation on on just hearing hearing a word? Are you basing your foundation on hearing and doing what that word said? 
Because it says here that whoever builds this, it said, who, who heard these sayings of mine and does them, I'm going to compare him to a wise man that built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that just hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them, I will liken them to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on there that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Both men experienced the same storms. Like you and I, Jerry, we, we, we both experienced the same thing. But it's determining what is our life built upon that determines if our structure falls or not. Your foundation is so important. And it needs to be established and strengthened in this communion with God. Because it's in that communion with God and the things he shares with us that causes us to be built upon a rock. So when storms of life do come, we're founded. We're secure. Prayer. I'm telling you, it is your right and your privilege to work hand in hand with God. To bring change to your community, change to your family, change to the world around you. It's not just prayer. It's so much more than just prayer. It's communion with the Father. This whole aspect, let me go to Isaiah 48 real quick. This whole aspect of hearing and doing. And I, I close with this. Isaiah 48, verse 16. So I'll close with this. Verse 16 says, Come near to me and listen to this. Remember what's the aspect of prayer? Come near. It's approach. Come by the side of. Come near and listen to this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time. So come near and listen, right? Come near and listen. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, from the time that it happened. I was there, and now the Lord God has sent the Holy Spirit in and with me. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way that you should go. See, all this is based on coming near to him and listening, right? So he says, thus says the Lord, your Redeemer. So what are we to listen to? Coming here and listening, he says, listen to this. The Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit. God wants to teach you things. He wants to share things with you. He wants to communicate to you. He wants to reveal better ways of doing things. Who teaches you to profit. What? Who leads you in the way that you should go. He wants to lead you in right paths. He wants to lead you in right direction. He wants to lead you. Verse 8, oh, that you would hearken to my commandment. Meaning, if you would just listen to what I said. Then your peace and prosperity would have been like a flowing river and your righteousness, the holiness, like the abundant ways of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand and your descendants like the offspring of the sea. Their name would not be cut off or destroyed before me. So this whole aspect of this hearing and doing, if you would just listen to me, man, then your peace would have flown like a river. Your prosperity would have been abundant. See, there's something about building our lives on what God has said. But it's established in our relationship with him. He's the one who reveals the word to us. 
In your prayer time, he'll reveal the word to you. He'll, he'll reveal next steps. He'll, re, re, he'll, he'll direct you in decisions. He'll, he'll direct you in, in what to do, what not to do. He'll direct you when to, when to open your mouth and when to keep your mouth shut. Man, some of you, that'd be a revelation right there. Just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> keep your mouth shut. <laughs> I won't go there. Some things I just, some things better not say. Hallelujah. But it's all about communion with God. And I want our relationships with God to, on a personal level, just to thrive and to flourish this year. He sees the greatness in you. He knows, he knows you more than you know yourself. This is how a life of faith is strengthened and established. It's through the word of God and the relationship with God. Hallelujah. I release you to pray. I release you to, to pray things that you've never prayed before. I release you to, to pray, to get quiet and allow God to use you and your voice to bring about change. Why? Because it's your right, your privilege, and your ability to work hand in hand with the master. Amen. Let's strengthen and establish this foundation that our life is built on, this life that's built on Jesus. Let's strengthen it by this life of prayer. In this life in the secret place. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And I thank you that it causes us to increase and grow and expand in every area of our lives. I see this church body as being victorious. Not one person in this place is defeated. Not one person in this place is a loser. Not one, in this pl- not one person in this place is insignificant. Every single person in this place is designed by God, created by God for good works. We are all his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. So, Father, I thank you for this life of prayer to continue to grow in us. A continual hunger to communicate with you. To set aside time. And pray. Set aside time and listen. Set, a time, set aside time to see. Thank you for directing our steps and directing our path. I thank you for your hand on this congregation. And I thank you that they will be everything that you created them to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You received this word this morning. Well, give him a shout of praise if you received the word. Hallelujah.